Welcome to those of you who are here in the room and a very special welcome to those joining us online as well. I know we have folks who watch online each week. And whether it's online or here in the room, if it's your very first time here, uh, thanks so much for coming and joining us here this morning at Connect Church. Uh, my name's Dave, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I want to start out by just uh, sharing a little bit of a confession here, and that is uh, something I would love to be better at, but sadly I'm not, is baking, okay? Uh, baking cookies, uh, cupcakes, scones, things like that, because I love eating them, uh, I just don't do a very good job at making them. And we have a young lady here at the church. Her name is Haley. She's in charge of our coffee bar. And she is incredible at baking. She makes the most amazing cupcakes and scones. And I'm just always amazed at just how amazing they look, how incredible they taste. And I'm like, how is it that you can make that? But when I try to make something like that, it looks so just different and so horribly wrong. And I can follow the exact same recipe as you use the exact same ingredients as you, and yours turn out to look amazing, and mine turn out to look and taste disgusting. What's, what's different here? And I've realized, what I've realized is that actually there are different ingredients. That's the problem. You see, she may have the sugar, the eggs, the milk, all that kind of thing, and I may have that, but there's one ingredient on my list that's not on her list, and that ingredient is me. <laughs> as soon as you add me to the recipe, things go horribly wrong. That's the difference between her recipe and my recipe. Um, but recipes are great, and if you are uh, good at baking, it's wonderful to know that if I follow these step-by-step -step instructions, I'm going to get to produce, yet again, some wonderful baked goods. And we're in a series right now. In fact, today is the very last Sunday in that series. It's called Summer Mixtape. And we've been looking uh, over the last eight weeks at uh, a big section in the middle of the Bible called Psalms. And I'll be honest with you, we'll probably continue this series again at some point in the future because while I've enjoyed every one we've spoken on, there are so many that we didn't get to that I would still love to talk about. But the one I want to finish on this morning, uh, if I'm honest, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's just a great psalm. And one of the reasons I like it is because it's, it's, it's kind of a recipe. It's, it's a psalm that's like a formula. It's a, um, if you want this, then do this. Uh, this recipe is there, this formula. If you, if you live your lives like this, you'll experience this. And the recipe is for the blessing of God in our lives. So what a great psalm to finish on. We've been talking about this idea of a mixtape comprising of different songs for different um, moods, and the psalms are 150 different songs and poems, and, and there is one that is a recipe, a formula for God's blessing in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I would love to experience God's blessing in my life. So I want to know what this formula is that leads to the blessing of God in my life. So we're going to read this psalm together this morning. It's Psalm 133. Starts out how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on Aaron on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So there's a couple of reasons I love this psalm. Uh, they are that it's short and it's simple. 
I love a psalm that's short and simple. If you can tell me something in three verses and it's pretty clear what you're telling me, what a great psalm. And the crazy thing is, it was King David who wrote this psalm. It could have been even shorter because he's talking about this very simple uh, uh, idea, this very simple philosophy that um, when people dwell together in unity, the blessing of God will be poured out. But rather than just say that, he adds these two images in the middle. And I think the reason he adds the images is because he really wants the listener, the audience, to understand just how good and pleasant the blessing of God really is. So these two images that he gives us, the first one uh, is this. It talks about this guy with a beard. It says, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. So this is the first image King David gives us to illustrate the blessing of God, what it would feel like. So I was thinking about why he would choose this image. And I, I thought about the times that I've been to a restaurant. Uh, maybe it's a new restaurant I've not been to before and I'm looking through the menu or all the different uh, options of what to eat and I, I come across the burgers and then right there in the middle of the list of burgers and offer is a burger with a fried egg on it. And I'm like... <laughs> Sold. Why put anything else on the menu? If you have a burger with a fried egg, then that could just be the only item on the menu because let's be honest, it doesn't get any better than that. So that's what I order, a nice burger with a fried egg. And uh, as I'm eating that thing, inevitably there will come that moment where I take a bite and I hit the yolk in the middle. And I know that I've arrived at that moment because as I pull the burger away from my mouth, I can look, see that look of horror and disgust on my family's face because what they're looking at now is the ketchup and the yolk and the burger grease just running down my beard onto the collar of my robe or my t-shirts in, in this situation. And, and, you know, that's not really a pleasant image. That's not really a pretty image. So, so why is David using this image of oil all over someone's beard and all over their clothes? Why would he present that in a, in a positive way? Well, you need to understand who Aaron is. The people of Israel who, re, who would be reading this psalm, they would be very familiar with Aaron in their history as one of the priests who Moses um, ordained at the request of God to become a priest along with some others. And it wasn't just picking out some people saying, hey, you're a priest, you're a priest, you're a priest. He actually took them aside and they were, they were consecrated. That means to, to set apart or to make holy and in order to do that publicly in front of all the people, they would have taken, Moses would have taken some oil and he wouldn't just kind of dab it on their head or something. He would pour this oil onto their heads because in their culture, that oil, it symbolized the Holy Spirit, symbolized God's presence. So in pouring that oil onto Aaron's head as it's running down his beard and onto his clothes, it was this picture of the, the consecration, the, the promise of God being poured out upon Aaron as a priest. So David's saying, you want to know what, what the blessing of God looks like? It's, it's like this. It's like that oil that just poured over Aaron's um, head and clothes, just signifying the blessing of God all over him. And that in itself would have been a great image, but he continues on with another image. The second image is in verse three. It said, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now again, 
Personally, I don't see a positive context from my own experience with you, and, and I'll tell you why that is. Uh, it's because t- up until about two years ago, we were not a dog family. We were a cat family. We had two cats. I liked cats. Wasn't a big fan of dogs. Um, but two years ago, everything changed, and we got a dog. And I get it. I love this dog now. I understand dogs. I go out to get in the mail. I come back in. That dog's like, hasn't seen me in six weeks. He's so excited to see me. You know, so, so I get how dogs kind of win you over. But here's the problem. The reason we got the dog is because one of my children um, said, Dad, please, please can we get a dog? If we get a dog, I will walk it. I will feed it. I will take care of it. And this particular child who I love wore me down, and we got a dog. Now, how do you think that deal is going right now? <laughs> I walk it, I feed it. I... So one of my jobs with this dog is every morning, I'm normally the first one awake, so I'm the one who has to let him outside to use the bathroom first thing in the morning. And... Um, Use the bathroom. He goes out to the bathroom. We don't have a specific bathroom that he uses. He, he goes outside as dogs do. But sometimes it'll have been dry for weeks. It hasn't rained a drop. But as I open the door, I look out and all over the grass is dew. And I'm like, because I know what that means. That means in about five minutes, he's going to be scratching the door. He's going to want to come back in. And we have a towel at the door. And it's my job, that means, to dry off all of his dewy, wet paws. So there I am, sat on our front rug, with the dog looking down on me as I clean his paws. And I know what the dog's thinking. He's thinking, I love this family. There's Casey, that lady. She's like one of my friends. I love her. I love, she's great. And then there's this guy who apparently works for me. And he, he's, uh, he's in charge of keeping me clean and dry my paws. He's a good guy. I like having him around. And he's just kind of looking down at me thinking like this. And so Jew, to me, I don't like. But to the Israelites... Familiar with mountains like Hermon and Zion, they understood just how amazing dew was because Mount Hermon was very famous for being a very dry and desolate place. It was in the Middle East, in Israel. It's a, a typically a very dry, desolate region. So from April till about October, they wouldn't have any rain on this mountain whatsoever. But it was still covered in all this vegetation and grass And the reason was because Mount Hermon was famous for having all this dew every morning. And this dew, this fresh dew every morning would bring life and sustenance and and color. So when David said, hey, this blessing of God, it's, it's, it's like the oil that was on that priest that was called by God. It's like the dew that brings life and sustenance. So he's given these beautiful images. So as these people would have sang these psalms, like the songs we sang this morning, in their minds, they're picturing the blessing of God as being something just so tangible and real and wonderful because they can experience these images. But when we take those images out, we're left with the the shortest recipe or formula you can imagine. Listen, Listen to what's left when we take those images out. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. How good and pleasant it is when people live together in unity, because there, when when they're together in unity, there God will pour out his blessing, even life forevermore. It's like a formula. You want to experience God's blessing poured out in your life, in your family, in your business, in your community, then then as followers of Jesus, 
You should be striving to live together in unity because that's what brings about the blessing of God. Now, as I said earlier, this has always been one of my favorite Psalms. I remember back in the mid-90s reading it, I think, for the very first time. And I was part of a ministry team, and we were struggling with some um, discord amongst the team and some disunity. And I remember reading this and thinking, wow, I want God's blessing to be on us as a team and the churches we're working with. So we need to work harder. We need to really work on building some unity here if we want to see God's blessing on our team. But I'll keep coming across this Psalm since then, and it always speaks to me, but I feel like now, more than ever before, this is a message for us as followers of Jesus. This is a message for us as the church today. This is a psalm that we couldn't go through this summer mixtape series without mentioning. Because you don't need to spend much time reading the news or on social media before you start to discover that the United States of America well, it's just not so united right now, is it? There's a lot of division going on in our world right now. There's a lot of division in our culture. And it's not just over one thing. It's over multiple different things. It seems to be that, that everything that we come across, there are two sides to it. You're either for it or against it. You're in this camp or you're in that camp. Division in this country is a problem and it should concern us, but what should concern us more is when that division starts to creep into our lives and creep into the church. It should really concern us when we understand what the psalm writer wrote, that where unity exists, there God's blessing is poured out. So therefore, if division exists, we're pushing back, we're holding back the blessing of God in our lives. I think a big part of the division problem right now for us as a society is what tends to happen when um, we choose to believe one thing or another or we choose to have an opinion over one thing or another. And, and as soon as you do, you get, you get pushed into one side or the other. Well, you believe this? Oh, then you must be in the red camp. Wait, your opinion is this on that? Oh, yeah, then that makes you one of the people in the blue camp. And suddenly you, you're put into a camp and, and you're kind of tied to everything that that camp believes. And, and I don't think uh, men, most of us, regular people, I don't think most of us like that idea of being pigeonholed one area or the other because we may think, well, yes, I do feel strongly about this. But, but actually on this particular topic, I, I feel kind of more like this that may align me more with this side. And actually on this topic, it, I'm kind of in the middle because I can see both sides and I can see how this isn't an ideal situation, but I get this and I get but we're fighting this pressure because we're being pushed all the time to be either far on this side or far on that side. And I think the reason we're under this constant pressure, and none of us like it, is because there's some who love it. There are some who love the idea of us being forced to go to one extreme or the other. And I'll tell you who those people are. They're the people who are making a great deal of money out of this division. The people who are gaining a lot of power out of keeping us divided. Because they prey upon our fears and our suspicions and they push us towards the far left or they push us towards the far right. And this should trouble us as Americans, but as followers of Jesus, it should trouble us even more. Because in doing so, it's, it's, it's keeping us less united, more divided, and obstructing the blessing of God in our lives. You see, I think the danger for us as Christ followers this morning 
of finding ourselves being pushed to one extreme or the other, there's a couple of things. Number one, I don't think you solve any problems there. And number two, I don't think you'll find Jesus there. I don't think you find Jesus at one far extreme or the other. Now, I do know that there are some people who may struggle with that a little bit. They're like, no, I think you need to be far this side or you need to be far this side and, and, and that Jesus wants you there. And, and I encounter that sometimes, even as the pastor of the church, I have people say to me, Dave, I, I think you need to make a stand. I think you need to stand up and, and, and make this stand. And, and what I'm really hearing them saying is, Dave, I think you need to make my stand. It's not make a stand, it's make a stand with what I believe. Because I could make a stand, and it may be different than what you believe. And in that case, you're like, okay, Dave, don't say that. Don't say that out loud. You've got to stop saying that. But we face this pressure, don't we, as a church, that, that we need to be, to be one side or the other. And as the pastor here at Connect, I've chosen to take a stand. And the stand that I've chosen to take is, is one that a pastor by the name of Andy Stanley, I, I grabbed this phrase from him. He's a pastor of a church in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I want to be somebody who takes a stand in the messy middle. In the messy middle. Now, I know to some of you that sounds like compromise, but I want to assure you I'm really not trying to compromise. I have some strong opinions um, across the spectrum on all sorts of different things, but from a church point of view, I think as followers of Jesus, that's the place where we can truly find unity. Now, some of you have already left the church in your mind, so hold on just a second here, okay? Let me just throw out a few more thoughts here to try and win you back here. So let me clarify one thing. Unity, okay, unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. Unity doesn't mean we all have to be the same. That's uniformity. And that's not what the psalm writer is talking about. He's not saying blessed are the place where everyone thinks the same, looks the same, acts the same, behaves the same. That's not unity. That's uniformity. And I don't believe that's what the church should look like. In fact, I actually think it should be the complete opposite. I think this should be a place where people can gather from all walks of life, all demographics, all social backgrounds, all different upbringings, different, different things. Some of you may have grown up in this church all your life. Some of you, this may be brand new to you, but we all come together. We think differently. We look differently, but we're unified in the fact that we're here this morning to, to sing our praises to Jesus to ask him to guide us in how to live our lives, to, to seek his counsel and direction to be better people, better students, better husbands, better wives, better parents, whatever it may be. But there are some, and there's that pressure sometimes, where they're like, no, I, I want my church to be, to be full of people who look like me. I want to go to my church and hear them talk about the things that, that I believe. And I want to be surrounded by other people that think like that. And, and to be honest with you, you, you can probably find a church like that. It may not be connected, but you might be able to find a church like that. And, and you may be happier there. But you're going to hate heaven. Because heaven's going to be full of people of all different backgrounds and different walks of life and different ideologies and different thought processes. But who all came together because they love Jesus. And they knew that without him, they wouldn't even be in heaven because he came and he died in our place and it's through a relationship with him. And there'll be people from America and Africa and Asia and all different walks of life and backgrounds. And that's the beauty of unity because we're united in our love for Jesus. But this division pushes back on us that 
And this division, if we're not careful, will creep into the church and will affect us as Jesus followers. We'll allow that kind of uh, division in the world to creep into our lives and the church. Just this week, I heard a pastor by the name of Ed Stetzer. He's a leader in the church today. Uh, and one of the hats he wears is he's the head of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. So just about two hours north of here in Wheaton, uh, there's a college there, a Christian college. And on the campus is the Billy Graham Center. It's amazing. I've been there, and it's kind of a museum um, devoted to the life and ministry of Billy Graham. And it's fantastic. You can go there and see all the videos and clips of all the crusades he used to do. And, and as part of the Billy Graham Center, they have this research in 